Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, this is Jason Solomons. I write every week in The New European on the best in film from Europe, Hollywood and beyond. If you'd like to enjoy more from The New European... Do join us by subscribing at theneweuropean.co.uk slash subscribe. Hello, Snowflakes, and welcome back to the New European podcast. My name is Steve Anglesey. I'm the editor of the New European. If you enjoy what we do, please join us by subscribing at theneweuropean.co.uk slash subscribe. Coming up. People didn't care when this government tried to rewrite the rules of parliamentary procedure to get Brexit done. They don't seem to care that the government wants to rewrite the rules of its own Brexit trade deal. So even though we're all craving for this week to be a turning point, will people really care now everyone has seen them try and rewrite the rules of Parliament to get their mate Owen Paterson off the hook? And why don't people care that this government lies and cheats? One big reason has got to be a supplicant pro-Brexit press who let them get away with it time and again. And yes, this week's U-turn was probably inevitable once the Daily Mail finally located its spine over Owen Paterson. But for how long? And after how long? I'll be talking about this shortly with the media commentator Liz Gerrard. And then in a week that demands it, we'll be putting more shameless politicians in our hold of shame. Before all that, I wanted to mention the cover story of the New European issue 267, which accompanies this podcast. It's a piece on the backlash against JK Rowling by some activists. Our decision to publish it has been praised on Facebook. It's been criticised by some on Twitter. The letters I've had about it have been 95% supportive. I'm interested to know what people who listen to this podcast think. You can write to us at letters at theneweuropean.co.uk. You can message us on Twitter at the New European, message me on Twitter, at Sanglesey, S-A-N-G-L-E-S-E-Y. I'd like to know what you think. Now, more about Owen Paterson and the Tory media shortly with Liz Gerrard. But first, as the government attempts to turn a negative into a positive, we ask listeners of this podcast to rewrite a bad news story about Brexit as if it was a headline in one of those shamelessly pro-Brexit papers that's on the Mail the Express. And you didn't disappoint us. Here's what you came up with. A pro-Brexit headline about the supermarket crisis first from Millie. Strong British waistlines won't be affected by empty shelves and rotting produce. And here's one from Rob Barron. Brexit frees up space on supermarket shelves previously clogged with EU food. Rupert Slade's headline is lazy scrounging European lorry drivers stay at home. And we've got a few on the sewage crisis too. Here's one from Ginny. Drownings go down as Brits stay out of the water. Sally Bruce's headline is, World beating tide of British sewage keeps French boats away. 
a special prize to Rory Harden for this headline. Brits go potty over EU dirty tricks. Brexit Britain has no need of fancy EU sewage treatment chemicals, PM vows. Plucky poopers need only to whip out the old commode and dig a victory hole in the back garden, Boris Johnson declares. A COP26 one now from Phil Ronan. Environmentalists applaud drop in CO2 emissions due to power outages, petrol shortages and rising gas bills. And this one from Ericsson could have come straight out of the express. Discrimination. Brits no longer treated as EU citizens by EU post-Brexit. This is an expressy one too from Pamela Roberts. EU to blame for staff shortages as the NHS crisis worsens. Love this from Tony Price. Pensioners delighted at the fruit picking for your pension rise scheme. And I also enjoyed this one from Richard Thomas. Eugenics to be renamed Genics, thanks to new British freedoms. Emily Canchon's headline is Brave expats in Spain forced to sell their homes due to new EU bureaucracy. And Bid Mars's headline is Lucky expats getting lots of exciting new passport stamps. And finally, John Callahan's headline is up yours, EU, says Britain's army of blue rinse, blue passport waving plucky pensioners on their way by cattle truck to the flooded fields in Kent to ensure the sprouts make it for Christmas dinner. We had loads of those and they were brilliant. Thanks so much. Coming up, Liz Gerard and after her, the Hall of Shame. But first, I want to mention a brilliant new podcast from the New European. Charlie Connolly's Great European Lives tells the life stories of amazing Europeans in short 10 minute bursts. It's a superb listen available where you got this podcast. And we'll have more exciting news of new podcasts soon. Don't forget, too, that if you want to be sure of getting a copy of our newspaper and access to our online archive, you can support The New European by subscribing at theneweuropean.co.uk slash subscribe. And now it's a pleasure to welcome back to the podcast the media commentator Liz Gerrard, who spent 30 years at the Times, forgotten more than we will ever know about the shenanigans of what we used to call Fleet Street. Liz, your piece in the New European this week seems very well-timed. It's an expose of how the pro-Brexit press is propping up a failing Brexit, failing government. Before we get into the piece, the Daily Mail's front page on Thursday of this week, full of indignation about Owen Paterson being let off the hook. Yet in the Daily Mail's headline, it's MPs who are getting the blame, not Boris Johnson or his government. Is it a turning point, do you think, or is it just a bump in the road in the, in the way that the pro-Brexit press are having a love-in with Boris Johnson? I, I don't know if it's a turning point, but I've, I've just been talking to somebody else about this, and I think it's, I think it's a, an important moment. I think it's very interesting that you said, pointed up on MPs, because the thing that struck me about that headline was that it was MPs back in sleeves rather than it's actually the Tories, it's not anybody else you know it's the Tories and Boris Johnson who's manipulated the system again the Times is writes a very um, straightforward splash you know Tories rebel but its leader says you know Johnson needs to pay a price he's breaking convention time and again and that this time it would be good if he paid a price so Yes, people are not are not quite so enamoured of Johnson as they were. Certainly the Mail and the Times, the Express and the Telegraph on, on the Patterson thing are both loyal to Patterson today. Um, and, and the Sun ignored it altogether on page one on Thursday, yes, which is yes, that's quite right. extraordinary. The Sun the Sun put it on page two, but okay. they also had a they also had a sleaze headline 
they had the outrage at the sleeves vote rather than good old Patterson. So I don't, I, I think that there's more disapproval than there is loyalty. And I think that he's taken a step too far with this. And he's people who tolerated him just because he's a winner are beginning not to tolerate him so much. The, the Express just goes with whoever is there. I mean, once he's ousted, it'll back Rishi and then it will back Truss and it will back whoever happens to win. I think that the shine is coming off Johnson. The shine has come off Rishi this week. It's looking like we're going into the Truss era. Well, that's... That's a whole, that's know, a whole depressing know. prospect in itself. But at least, at least, pork markets and cheese uh, will be foremost <laughs> in uh, in everybody's mind. I, I did wonder whether the whether the male were hedging their bets slightly, knowing that Claudia Webb was uh, going to be sentenced on Thursday, and then wondering whether they could get a second day of sleaze headlines uh, just out of that and just blame it on general sleaze of MPs. Yeah, but, no, but, but anyway, I think that's um, very good. Yes, I think that's good insight. That is, yes. Yeah. Yeah, but of course they're they're not really related. Anyway, I, I mean let's let's get to this this wonderful piece. And I wanted to read this bit aloud because it's a, I think it's a great piece of writing. I have I have compressed this slightly, but you write. How are the Brexit press feeling now the deed has finally been done? Is it as tickety-boo as they promised, or do they notice clouds and an absence of unicorns? Disappointment isn't a shameful emotion. It's not a sin to clutch a much-wanted prize and yet feel it's not quite as wonderful as you'd hoped. In fact, it can be healthy. You can build on realism and find something better. But those Brexity papers are going through a weird version of their own grief process and are firmly stuck at the denial stage. So how is that denial stage manifesting itself? With your piece in the the newspaper, there's a big photo montage that you've done of Brexit boosts, numerous Brexit boosts. Yes, that's right. We've got a billion pounds from Nissan. We've got a billion pounds, our trade deal with Australia. Numerous. Big, big numbers, huge numbers. People, as as we've, we've written before about innumerate journalists and how they can throw numbers around, no context at all, not this is worth X amount of, of our GDP or anything. But you think how much the, is it that £2 billion is what it's going to cost to take those people out of universal credit, just a few people out of universal credit. So that's, this, you know, it, it's a drop in the ocean, £37 billion for test and trace. And yet these are the great Brexit boosts. It, it, it's so disproportionate. It, it doesn't tell you anything. It's not a booming economy. And the other thing is that they keep saying, right, we're growing faster than anyone in the G7. That's because we fell further. You know, sort of, yes, we're coming up faster, but we're not actually getting to where where we need to be because we've, we're going down further. Yeah, it's- absolutely right. And and we spoke on this podcast last week about the New Zealand trade deal, which I think is is, is estimated to either lose 0.01% or, or put us up by 0.01%, whereas we've already lost 6.5% um, just by leaving the EU. So the Brexit boosts are, are, are not quite as boosty as the boosters like to say they are. I don't think anyone who's listening to this podcast thinks that the lorry driver should shortage was entirely the fault of Brexit. But the true believers, the Express, the Telegraph and the Sun, seem to think it's nothing to do with Brexit at all. Yes, they completely ignore Brexit. Well, first of all, they ignored it. And then because so many people were saying it's Brexit, it's Brexit, um, and especially citing Northern Ireland and saying, look, this is the situation here. 
this is the situation in Northern Ireland. They haven't got all the problems we've got. It must be Brexit. But then they, of course, they, they went, they couldn't ignore it anymore. So then they went hard in. And, and that express splash really, really got to me. Don't blame, don't blame driver crisis on Brexit. And they'd got, um, who was it? It was Ian Duncan Smith said it's because of coronavirus. Who else was it? It was Andrew Bridgen. Andrew Bridgen and Peter Bone, of course. Yes. Okay. But Andrew Bridgen was the one that, that really got me because he said oh it's the usual suspects saying blaming brexit and i thought and here we have the usual suspects saying don't blame brexit it is quite uh, it's quite remarkable isn't it um it really is i mean you say uh, another telling uh, uh sentence in this piece that you've written is, is when you say the eu papers the sorry the anti-eu papers are of course in a bind rather like the labor party why why are the anti-eu papers and the labor party in a bind about all of this. Well, you can't tell people that they've got it wrong. Mm. This is this is what this is what Labour found at the election, where where they got in trouble with the red wall. This thing is that there was this perception that when Keir Starmer was the Brexit minister and he really wasn't Brexity, and you'd got this argument going on between the Corbynites and the Remainers, and and they were trying to. There was a lack of understanding of what was going on in in the red wall constituencies and the fact that people there were Brexity and you couldn't they got this image that you were telling people that they were stupid and that they didn't they didn't know what they were voting for. Hence, mm. every, we keep hearing now everybody saying, I knew what I voted for. I knew what I voted for. I wasn't duped. I knew what I knew everything. And so Labour found that it was antagonising its own voters who were Brexit voters. And now you've got the same the same phenomenon to a degree, I think, with the press that the press can't say you got it wrong to the people who vote to their readers and especially the sun and the mail and the express who and the telegraph who absolutely hammered brexit at people and told everybody it was going to be wonderful and that you really must vote this and take no notice of project fear and we'll stop all those foreigners coming in you can't now how do you go back from that how do you say well actually we were wrong you can't you can't as you as we said earlier you know sort of there's not a there's not a problem with admitting that something that you've got isn't quite what you wanted and then to set out to do it but they won't do that they haven't got to that stage where they can do that and say well look brexit isn't working the way we want it how can we make it work we still think it's a good thing and a good and it's right that we should be on our own they're still pumping the fantasy that's the thing that's so odd you know sort of this they're still going on and on and on about how wonderful everything is and that that's the thing that i think that's really troubling because i don't think the country is happy with the way things are those polls that that I cited in that piece, you know, that 68% think that Brexit is not going well. Except that you've got Brexit. We Remainers have to accept we've got Brexit. It's happened. I, I don't have a lot of time personally for the rejoiner argument because that's as fantastical as the, as the Brexiteers were before the referendum. The idea that we would go back to Europe, that we'd be welcomed back, that the conditions would be anywhere near acceptable. It's just, I don't think it's ever going to happen. Um, well, it might do, but certainly not in my lifetime. You have to be a bit realistic and that they haven't got to that stage yet. They really haven't. No, they haven't. They are living in a, in a world of uh, denial and a world of fantasy. And of course, when you do that, you, you cast around for 
for other enemies, don't you? And, and you know, they're, they're casting around for new villains rather than blaming Brexit itself or the fact that it was oversold by Johnson and Gove or the fact that it's been disastrously negotiated by David Frost. France are a traditional enemy of the tabloids, aren't they? You know, oh, that's in, right, yes. And, and there's, there's quite a lot of ammo here. They're on comfortable territory attacking France. Um, just talk about how they've been doing that. Well, obviously, there's there's every, everything is France. First of all, we've got, obviously, the fishing that's going on now. Yes. Then before that, we've got the, the whole business about stopping migrants getting in boats. And we're supposed to pay them 54 million to, to stop people leaving the country their country, which was was characterised by the Express at the time as 54, paying the French 54 million quotes to do their job. I don't think it is actually um, France's job to stop people leaving the country to go to another country. Um, it's their job to make sure who comes in is the right people, not people who go out. It's up to us. But we have this deal that they will deal with stuff at their, at their border, which is very kind of them. We promised to pay them 54 million and there's been an awful lot of moaning because there have been a lot of people coming over on boats this summer and the season hasn't ended yet. And Pretty Patel's doing a lot of stomping around and saying, if you don't stop these people coming, we're we're not going to pay you. And they're saying, but actually, you haven't paid us yet. You haven't paid us a penny. Mm. Um, So again, you know, sort of it's these awful French aren't doing what, they say they're going to do and it turns out that we're the ones again who are not doing what we've promised to do and this whole attitude is that we're there in the wrong the whole time in this thing that on saturday the the telegraph had that leak of that letter from the um, french prime minister to ursula von der Leyen saying that um it need to be made clear to members of the community that you're better off in than out basically and that was in, that was interpreted by the telegraph splash as punish britain for brexit says france well they is that punishing them if i go to my next door neighbor and we're friends and everything and we have each other's door keys and and that and then suddenly we don't have coffee so much anymore and i take back my my back door key and she takes back her key am i being punished if she doesn't feed my cats when i go on holiday or is that just a consequence a reasonable consequence of the fact that she doesn't have a key anymore yes Am I being am I being punished by not being allowed to use David Lloyd's swimming pools and tennis courts if I've cancelled my subscription to David Lloyd? It's the it's the age old question, isn't it? Um, That's right. And I did find that I mean that whole that whole thing was was deeply strange, wasn't it? The 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 way that you know, and I I I, I dislike you know the 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 sort of the bandwagon against people like Laura Coonsberg because I think you know that part of the duty of, of people who do a job like Laura Coonsberg's is to report what the government is saying. But but you know it is true that that Laura Coonsberg and Robert Peston both reported that the uh, that the French had called for for punishment beatings and then had to row back from that when it was pointed out that that translation they didn't say anything of the sort they just said well you know there needs to be a consequence to not being in the club uh, and to make that clear um just because i know we we're we rushed for time and i i, I know you, you've got to go but i mean i've yet to see the a posto in patterson poll the party polls do seem to be tightening a little bit we've mentioned the, the polls uh on brexit are, are definitely 
turning. Are, are these polls being covered well in, in the Brexit press? And are, is anybody showing any sign of Brexit regret? No, I don't think so. I've, I've seen these polls, but only because I went looking for them to see what, because, you know, we, we live in our little Remainer bubble and, mm. and our echo chamber. And I thought, well, you know, sort of what is the opinion at the moment? And so I had a look, but no, you you never see this stuff in, in any of the in any of the Brexit papers. People only 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 publish the polls they commission. They never can publish anybody else's unless it happens to reinforce very dramatically a view that they take. Yes. And Brexit papers aren't about to start commissioning polls on whether people think Brexit is going well. Yes, it's very true. It's very true. We do seem to be in a weird, uh, in a weird uh, position, don't we? Where um, I think that people are beginning to cotton on that Boris Johnson and Brexit maybe the the bloom is is coming off the rose. Um, but until those big polls turn, I don't think they're they're really brave enough to say so. Do you do you no. think that's true? I think that Johnson is on on dangerous territory at the moment because um, he's got Brexit isn't going well. He's got the the sleaze thing today or this this week, and he's got the budget, which mm. was not didn't quite go the way that they tried to stage manage it. I mean, they they um, leaked so much in advance, and it was all the good news, obviously, that they leaked in advance that there was very little left for the day, and they obviously thought that we were all going to go on beer and fags, you know, sort of so they posed for their photograph with their, with their chinking glasses and everything. How much do you pay for a pint of beer? 350 £4, £4.50? Do you know exactly? Do you know within 10p how much you pay for a, a pint of beer? Well, three, you're probably asking the wrong person because... Three, I 3p in a couple yeah. of years' time on something that you wouldn't even notice today is, you know, it's they're, they're stuck in another era if they really think that that's the thing. And, of course, the Daily Express duly did the thing. But even the Sun, which illustrated so many stories about coronavirus with pints of beer and when we were going to be allowed to go back to the pub. Even the Sun kept that off the front page. It just didn't work the way they wanted it to work. And the Tory press are not happy with all this spending. They're not happy with the tax burden. They don't like the borrowing. They don't like the taxation. They don't like the spending. So the Telegraph and the Times and the FT, they're all looking at them and thinking, this is profitable. And so he's losing them on fiscal prudence. He's losing them on sleaze. He's in a dangerous position, I think, at the moment. He is. And just uh, wait to see what happens if he has to tell people to stay indoors again or not go to the pub and uh, luxuriate in their 3p off uh, a pint of beer. (laughs) It's always a pleasure. My thanks, as always, to the great Liz Gerrard. You can follow Liz on Twitter at GameOldGirl. You can read her dissection of the supine Brexit press in the New European issue 267 on the streets now or online at theneweuropean.co.uk. And finally, in a week that demands it, the Hall of Shame, it's where we put putrid pundits, pompous politicians, things that get my goat generally. Really hard to know where to start this week. We'll go on to Owen Patterson in a minute. First of all, let's go back to what we were talking about with Liz Gerrard, the pro-Brexit, anti-France papers who, despite this being a shameful week for the government, are trying to paint the release of the trawler as some kind of triumph. All this dispute has shown is that the failure to give enough licences to 
French fishermen mean that our government is now loathed by fishermen on both sides of the channel. And amid all the sabre rattling, what we should really be focusing on is the plight of the people in the British fishing industry who didn't get detained in Le Havre. Many of them are feeling done up like kippers by a Brexit that's delivered only red tape and higher costs. I was very struck by a couple of people who've been interviewed recently. One was a guy called Paul Corrin. He was a, a captain of a boat in Cornwall. Um, he voted leave in 2016 and he, he said this. He's had to sell his boat now and he, he said this. I think we've all been stabbed in the back. We were promised loads of stuff and it hasn't materialised and it's not going to materialise. And then there's a guy from Ian Perk, called Ian Perks, rather, from Devon. He's a, another leave voter. He's a fish merchant. He says that leaving the EU has increased his paperwork tenfold and his costs have jumped by £300 a day. £300 a day. He said Brexit has certainly been detrimental to our business. I'm the first person to put my hands up and say I was wrong. Now I am paying the penalty. Meanwhile, there's a report that the industry, the fishing industry, will have lost more than £300 million by 2026. And that prompted the National Federation of Fishermen's Organisation to say... The best opportunity in a generation to re revive the UK's fishing industry has been squandered. and We must act swiftly to learn from these lessons and to support the sector in future negotiations. Now, that's all very well, isn't it? And I hope that does happen. But what hope now for sensible negotiations when you stomp around declaring war with France? It just goes to show one thing. The fishing industry needed Brexit like a fish needs a bicycle. And now, alack, Igad Harumph, it's Anne Widdicombe Corner. It's the time of the week when I read out the most ridiculous bits from Anne Widdicombe's ridiculous column in the Ridiculous Daily Express. Silly little Greta Thunberg pontificates about matching actions to words, but oddly she does so in Scotland and not Beijing, writes Anne Widdicombe. I think Greta Thunberg was pontificating in Scotland and not Beijing because COP26 was in Scotland and not Beijing. And if she was pontificating in Beijing and not Scotland, wouldn't people say, why is Greta Thunberg pontificating in Beijing and not Scotland when COP26 is in Scotland and not Beijing? She must be as mad as Anne Widdicombe. And finally, in the Hall of Shame, I want to talk about the biggest loser of a shameful week for the government. And it's not Owen Paterson, who's been much discussed elsewhere. But it's somebody who has been badly damaged, and rightly so, by the Owen Paterson affair. It's somebody who shows how much he cares for his colleagues in the House of Commons and in Parliament in general by refusing to wear a mask as COVID cases rise. It's someone so stuck in the past that he says the fishing licence crisis happened because the French are always grumpy in October due to the anniversaries of Trafalgar and Agincourt. This mentality, this is what's dragging our country down. It's someone who railed on about Labour being partisan and he and the government imposed a three-line whip to try and get their mate off. It's someone who suggested that Owen Paterson was acting as a whistleblower when he made negative speeches about companies in competition with the companies who were paying him. Someone who thinks that knowing quotes from the Bible and Shakespeare are more important than having a moral compass and being made to follow the rules. So shame on you, Jacob Rees-Mogg. I think this week, through your hubris, you've ended Owen Paterson's career, and I sincerely hope that this is the beginning of the end of your career too. That was the New European Podcast with Steve Anglesey. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to our producer, Ellie Longman-Rood. Thanks to Liz Gerrard. Episodes of the New European Podcast are now released every Thursday. If you enjoyed this one, why not subscribe and rate and review it on your podcatcher of choice. If you'd like to enjoy more podcasts from us, check out Charlie Connolly's Great European Lives, available wherever you get your podcasts.
And if you'd like to enjoy more from The New European, visit our new website and join us by subscribing, theneweuropean.co.uk slash subscribe. On social, you can join our Facebook readers group. You can follow us on Twitter at The New European. You can follow me on Twitter at Sanglesey, S-A-N-G-L-E-S-E-Y. So until the next time we meet, so long, snowflakes. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.